Okay, everyone, welcome to the Joseph Orr Podcast and the JV Podcast Network. Before we get in to this interview, just a quick reminder, whether you are watching on YouTube or listening on Apple, Apple or Spotify, please subscribe, rate, review, like, and share this with anyone that you think might enjoy it. So with our special guest today, head coach, head ball coach for the Tiffin Dragons, Chris Reiser. He's one year in uh, at Tiffin, the GMAC champion, reigning GMAC champion, Tiffin Dragons. Coach, thanks so much for coming on and taking the time. You bet, Joey, AJ, what's going on? Thanks, guys. All right, let's start here. The past season, like I mentioned, your first season with Tiffin, 9-1, 7-0 in conference play, finally beat Finley for the first time. You win the division. First first uh, playoff berth, berth in program history. You your, your roster featured All-Americans. You received some honors. Other players on the roster received both regional and conference honors. With all that being said, now this is just a formality. If you could go ahead and give us the typical football guy answer about how this is great foundation and momentum to build for the program and tell us that you're not satisfied you're, and you're working even harder to be better next year. I'm good at that answer. I can, I can rattle that answer out very, very easily and very fluidly. So you did it, you did it, you did it for me there. So I'll, I'll wait to give you more information as we dive in then. Perfect. So let's stick on the football guy talk, though. I want to know, is this something you study as a coach? Like, do you go in and after all the film and meetings and everything, do you sit down and study like how people would study philosophy, you know, philosophy? You know, where, where, where's the origin of all this? You know, you trace things back. Is that something you do with all these sayings and just the football guy talk? <laughs> I think it's um, I think it's more a, a culture of the way that you're brought up in the game. You know, like ultimately, it's like anything, right? As a young kid, a lot of times you end up morphing into your your dad, right, or morphing into your mom. And you don't know it's happening; it just is happening in front of your eyes, right? As you get older, I think it's the same thing as a coach, where you know, you hear all these things as a player, and they stick in your mind, and you think they're silly, and you you make fun of your coach, and then when you're my age and you're 33, and you making fun of somebody for saying it, you say it yourself. Oh, you know? and, and uh, so it is just kind of ingrained in, in the way you're brought up. And typically the coaches that you played for and worked with, they have such a, a, an effect on you and you kind of take, take their language. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so as you mentioned there, you, you know, it's something that you learn and kind of acquire product of your environment, whether it's your family, the coaches that you have, it's kind of, I imagine, like you said, a mix, a hybrid of everyone you've had when you start playing football all the way up through the college level, pro level, however far that you go. But I, my theory is as soon as you become a coach, you know, as soon as you become a GA, it's like the part of your brain, everyone talks about left brain, left brain, right brain. I think they're about 49% a piece. And there's this little sliver that unlocks once you become a football coach and all these sayings and all this talk and the way that you're supposed to answer that unlocks. Do you think I'm far off with that theory? I don't think you're far off at all. No, I think you're. Uh, I think you're right there. I think there's a sliver of the brain that does unlock, and and ultimately it goes into coach speak mode. No, I think it's one of those deals, right? As a coach, it's like you constantly are are. Um, I think you're constantly measured in what you say, especially in a in a public, you know, in a public forum. And so, just as you know, the old right coach speak bulletin board material, right? You don't want to <laughs> give that out if you don't have to, and so. You're always trying, I think a lot of times too, and coach speak, um, I think you always have to be measured in the regard of uh, your players are going to see a lot of what you say. And so I think it can be a way to reach your team in a, in a good way or to send a message in a, in a different type of way. 
Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever hear other coaches, whether they're in your conference or your opponents, or maybe it's even a pro coach here, Mike Tomlin all the time, uh, the standard is the standard or, you know, the Miami Heat thing where it's like the main thing is the main thing. Do you ever hear those things and you get upset like, man, I should have thought about that. I, I, I want that to be my thing. I actually really like the standard of the standard. I think that was uh, that was. Great. I remember hearing that like that's a really cool yeah. saying. I wish I had come up with that. But he's too famous. You can't steal that one. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's the you same know, way with the. Uh... It. But that's the thing about it is sometimes you know like I think I think Urban Meyer does a tremendous job with like culture and team building stuff. And he's got some really good stuff that, that he used at Ohio State when he was there. And um, you know, when I when I first became the head coach, it's like, all right, you're gonna you're gonna do it your own, right? You're gonna make it yours and keep it fresh. And and ultimately, what ends up happening is you end up going back to his anyway because it's better, right? He right. thought about it longer than you, and he had it streamlined. And so there is some stuff where you just steal it and you, you humble yourself, and because it's there for a reason. Absolutely. And I use the snowman here as my uh, my inside informant, and he gave me some of your sayings, some of your most famous sayings. I want to go through these. I want you to tell me what they mean and the typical like context or situation that you'll usually say these. Sound good? I'm a little worried about this one because he'll sit at my meetings and he writes down all my sayings. So I, I'm, I'm not sure this is going to go here, Joey, but, but uh, let's, let's give it a go. This is funny. This they're, is like, they're okay. They're okay. This is like Jordan talking about Kobe. Like, dude, stole all my moves. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start with this first one. Hit your head on the goalpost. That means you it means you took it to the house. Took it to the house and you dunked it on the goalpost and you hit your head. That's right. Oh yeah, Snowman, that's like when we would run our sprints and we'd talk about running like five yards through the line, like leave no doubt, yeah. like make sure we don't have to do these again. There, there's yeah. nothing left, man. Go hit your head on the goalpost, go, go throw it through. I love it. Yeah. Uh, can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, I mean, at, at some point, right? You, you got to pick, right? You don't get to you don't get to have everything, right? So, at some point, like I would use that in an analogy of, um, you know, you want to throw a completion, right? But you give up the short completion because you want to throw the long completion, right? Because you want more, and you don't get to have your cake and eat it too. Sometimes you just got to take your take your slice of cake and take a six yard gain and move on. There you go. I like it. Out the gate, 68. This one, I could, I had no idea what this meant. I've been spending, I, I was up all night. I couldn't sleep. I was trying to decipher this one. Same thing as hit your head on the goalpost, right? Catch the, catch a ball, you're gone out the gate, 68. Is that just because it rhymes or what? I have no idea. I like to rhyme and it rhymes and it makes sense. And so it, this stuff, right? Like it, you're trying to break up the monotony of a meeting, right? Yeah. And so... Again, you're trying to break up the monotony of coach speak, you know, and so you try and bring a little bit of creativity and a little bit of, um, I think, uh, personality into the meeting room to make it, you know, you might kind of trigger a kid sleeping in the back of the room because right. he hears something he doesn't know what the heck you're talking about. Right. Snowman, this sounds like your old life skills teacher, Mrs. So, Bigley. Why, why are yeah. you calling him Snowman? You oh, yeah. Him? Oh, you didn't Snowman? know this. Okay, yeah. No, I have okay. no idea. I you thought know, there was a fourth guy in the line. Yeah, okay. Th this, <laughs> this is my apologies because I've always called him Snowman, you know, going back to high school, and we'll tell the story. But it's funny because he used to tell me, like, you know, he, he, like he used to tell, you know, oh, my nickname's Snowman when he was first starting to meet people, like when he moved on campus or whatever. And they just didn't believe him they just thought it was the dumbest thing ever it's like no one calls you that and yeah everyone calls him snowman so this started I think that would have been my junior year during football so his sophomore year and his practice yeah, right. jersey was number eight in honor in, in honor of the great Matthew Della Vadova. 
And the way that the eight was, um, you know, stacked on top of each other, one of the coaches said, you know, called him snowman. And then I just heard it. And then I started calling him ever since. And it's, uh, it's a legend there in Richland County in Lexington, Ohio. Yeah, I'm on it. Snowman, new name. I like it. I'm there a big nickname guy, Joey, so I'll take that and run with it. Perfect. And it's great. It works. You know, we need to give him a stage name. You know, AJ Nikolai is not going to sell this podcast. The snow- producer Snowman might. You see where I'm it working will. here? Very. That's very well put. Thank that's you. Very- Thank you. Uh, but what I was saying is, you know, you talk about breaking up the monotony, maybe catching someone in the back. You know, it's, you know, they're just kind of, you know, it's kind of flatlining like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing what he's saying, but not really actively listening. Then you say something and it can trigger someone to wake him up or pay attention. Snowman, this takes me back to uh, high school with Mrs. Bigley. She has a bunch of kids who maybe didn't pay the most attention to her. And she would tell us about how she would be, be talking and then just say purple elephant to see if they would like perk up and see if, yeah. and see if they knew what they were, uh, <laughs> yeah. if they were yeah. listening. So I love it. It's the same process right here. Life skills, football whatever maybe we should start the same maybe a life dual- skills is football football is life skills that, that's yeah. uh we've learned that throughout my three years of college football so far that's right maybe uh governor dewine should start doing this because it feels like groundhog day he's up there doing the same presser every day he needs to, needs to throw in out the gate 68 or a purple elephant in, the, in there and maybe people will start listening <laughs> okay the last one i have written down here process driven not results driven no doubt. No, that means really for us, it's it's a very big part of our culture too, in the sense of uh, it's not necessarily the results, right, of, of what happened. It's it's how it happened. And so I think it's really important. Like I think so much is results driven in life, but oftentimes like in football, right, you could have a favorable result because maybe the guy that you were playing against, the team you were playing against wasn't as good as you, right? Or, or maybe they they didn't play as well as they could have. And so for us, we always want to focus on just being as consistent as we can be and being as good as we can be in our scheme. So it doesn't really matter who we play as long as we play as well as we can. Yeah. Now, Coach, you just kind of mentioned culture, and I think about, you know, building a program, especially with football, having an identity. You come in as a first-time head coach. The snowman and I went through a, a coaching change in high school. Now it's much different. You know, we went to where we went to school because of where we lived. We didn't choose to go to school like kids do in college. When you come in and, you know, you're dealing with kids that were recruited by someone else, you know, that built a trust or, you know, had, you know, possibly a very deep, serious relationship with that head guy. How do you come in and instill, you know, what you want to stand for and what you want to build as a program, both culturally and just as an identity? So everyone's on the same page. You know, what is that? dynamic light like because that's you know obviously a transition for you coming in you have your own things to work right. on but then you have to deal with all these kids who you know you know until you have a couple more recruiting classes not you don't have it a locker room full of you know your kids right yeah and i think i think to your point right the your kids thing i think that's the, the biggest thing right is is I, I never when i got the head coaching job i never approached it as like hey i didn't recruit these guys or these weren't guys that i chose you know i walked it in and in my mindset, my staff's mindset was these are our guys, right? This was whether we chose them in the beginning or we brought them here, who cares? We're choosing them now. And so um, I've never been a guy that you walk into a situation and you make excuses for what's there. I just think you go in and you get to work. And I think the one thing that, that I try to do is really celebrate the guys that were already there, um, make them know that we chose them and we're ready to get to work. I think 
the other thing too about taking over a situation like this is I think you have to have some empathy mm-hmm. for the athletes too. You know, as much as as I wanted to come in and 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 have a big hammer and do everything exactly the way that I wanted it done, and they had to adhere to the way I wanted it done. I had to have a little bit of emotional intelligence and empathy, as did my staff. Like they didn't ask for this change, you know, and this is as hard for, for our players as it may be us. And so being able, I think, to kind of find the common ground and and give them a little bit of leash, a little bit of give and take, and let some of our culture happen naturally or organically, I think was um was the right way to do it. And then the the third thing that I would say that I think is is really important in these situations is you just work really hard to get to know the guys. You know, our, our culture is relationship driven and everything that we do. So for me, the first thing that I did when I got the job was I met with every single player on our roster one on one. Spent time with them, asked some questions, wanted to know about the current program, wanted to know about past programs, wanted to know hopes, dreams, goals, families. And I think that really laid the foundation that it was going to be about people. It wasn't going to be about facilities or about just football. It was going to be about how we could help our guys grow and develop. And I think that lended itself to to a lot of trust. That's great. You know what that sounds like? It sounds a lot like you can't have your cake and eat it too. You, you ain't lying. You ain't lying. It all carries over, Joey. It all carries over. Yep. I, I, I love it. And, you know, football, like life, we've already made that comparison already. And, you know, it's been talked about, written about. We've seen it in movies, TV, blah, blah, blah. We know. Um, you know, obstacles and, you know, controversy and, you know, uh, you know, just things getting getting in the way. Um, adversity is the word that I'm really looking for. You know, we have another thing going on right now. I'm sure you've talked about it and thought about it and you're, you know, you're ever involving with this whole coronavirus thing. You know, how do you manage, you know, having, you know, being in charge, being the head coach of all these kids and, you know, spring ball isn't going on. Everyone is in back home in their, you know, different situations. You know, how are, you know, what, um, are you allowed to do right now in terms of contact? How are you know making sure making sure guys are getting workout plans no matter what their situation is, whether they have stuff at home to work out or they need to do body weight stuff to to maintain some sort of shape, and then also just meet with them maybe like this just to make sure everyone's you know not just football meetings but just to make sure everyone is doing okay because everyone's family situation is uh, different through this. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a crazy time, right? And, uh... It's trying time both in our country, you know, and then obviously on a on a football program on a university. And so, um, you know, I'll get into the specifics of it, but I think I think what's important is just the idea of, of what's the overall mindset, what's the overall philosophy in terms of what you're trying to accomplish, right? And I think to your point, Joey, adversity, right? That's all this is. And I think anytime you're hit with adversity, right, there's one or two ways, one of two ways you can go. You can either right make excuses or blame someone else or complain about your circumstances or you can find a way to overcome it and make it a positive. And so I've always been a a glass half full guy. And so our mindset really the whole time has been, look, this is an opportunity for our players and our program to best quarantining program in the country. You know, find a way to motivate ourselves, find a way to do everything we need to do academically, find a way to support each other emotionally, and and ultimately get stronger and get better because of this circumstance. Because the reality is that everybody's in the same boat, you know, and so, we can look at it as a negative or a positive that we're going to be more self-sufficient, more self-motivated, and we're going to do it better because we're different than all these other places. And then to your point, how we're doing it, you know, I think there's two layers to it. One, I think is um, our staff, right. And, and how we're continuing to communicate and how we're continuing to, uh, you know, help our players through this time. That obviously it's the player communication. Our, our level is a little bit different, Joey, in the sense that, 
Um, you know, right about now, we, we're not allowed to do any football with our players. So trying to find innovative ways that are that are both legal and compliant where we can bring the methods to our student athletes of um, things they're going to know when fall camp rolls around. But most importantly, and, and you said it, I think um, the one, the, the main thing that we do is we're going to have an academic meeting with every one of our kids every single week. Uh, our high-risk guys have an academic meeting oftentimes every day. Um, and then outside of an academic meeting, every single player and recruit is going to hear from us once a week on the phone. And um, I just think it's really important that you maintain consistent contact, right? And uh, as long as there's contact, I think um, you can support people emotionally. You can support people, uh, obviously, academically or, or, or in a football mold. But I think more than anything, I think a lot of our players are going through a lot of things off the field. Sometimes they just need advocates in their corner to know that they got somebody standing by them. And so we try and do that consistently for our guys. That's awesome. That's, that's a great answer. Um, I want to ask you about a story that I know that's one of my favorites. The snowman has told me you may or may not remember this, but I, I called him to get the specifics on this. This was a spring practice at the stadium nighttime. You're doing a red zone situation. So, you know, you're going through, you start at first down wherever and you're going in and whatever it is, you score a touchdown, great, we're gonna kick the extra point. If not, get stopped. We're gonna go for uh, a field goal. And the kicker, the snowman said, was at some sort of school function or whatever. And they're yelling, fourth down, fourth down, get the field goal team in. We're gonna kick this, we need a kicker. So the snowman runs out there because the year before he was a kicker, but we have a lot of new staff. And I guess he said the O-line coach was yelling, no, we need an actual kicker, get the hell off the field. <laughs> What are you doing? And, you know, he goes back to the sideline and you kind of ask him, you know, you know, weren't, weren't you the, the, the kicker last year? So w when those things happen, is that when you, you know, you need to, to talk to one of your staff members and maybe, you know, ask them to, to reflect and, you know, use a football guy term, look yourself in the mirror to make sure that he knows his personnel better. Because the snowman, no, about it. I mean, no, we need to know the backstory better. You know, the snowman obviously uh, came up big for us this year as our kicker. And so was that the beginning of your kicking career under, under our staff, AJ? Yeah. Yep. Get to come nobody up nobody knew because I didn't tell anybody. I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be a kicker, but I walked, I, you know, Heracle wasn't there and I, <laughs> you're screaming. I'm like, well, I, I'll, I'll kick it. <laughs> Did you bang it through the uprights? Yeah, it was just, uh, you know, Mr. 35, that's what they call Nonchalant, me. Nonchalant, Mr. 35. You and, uh, you and uh, PFT, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, but see, I'm the actual Mr. 35. He's, you know, PFT. You are the actual Mr. 35. Yeah. You, I, I get results. Funny, for, get, all the, for all the podcast listeners, right, there's nobody more accurate from 35 and in than, than, than the snowman, a.k.a. A.J. Nikolai. Yeah, but here, here's a fun little backstory, Coach Reiser. Going back to our high school days, he may be the Mr. 35 now, but I was the original Mr. 35. This guy was my holder uh, for two years in my senior year. I was special teams player of the year in the conference. Yeah. What are we doing? Well, Joey, what are you, what are you doing next year, man? You want to come to Tiffin? Hey, you know, I'll do, I'll, do my I'll do my graduate year there at Tiffin. Come on over. If anything, we, got a, we got a kicking competition. Oh. Starting. And if yeah, anything, sounds like I just lost my, lost my job. Hey, right. If anything, I'm a great locker room guy, you know, and the podcast will live on. So we, we have that. But yeah, you know, the snowman here, you know, we hear about the five tool player in baseball. That's very rare. But the snow, it's even more rare in football. Maybe something you never even heard of. I was thinking about the snowman. He's quite the Swiss Army knife. You quarterback, you know, let's count him here. Quarterback, kicker, punter, receiver, coach. That's five for everyone counting at home. You know, what is it like having a gadget like that on the sideline who can also signal in place? 
It's a security blanket, you know. I mean, it's uh, it's it's one of those where you, I look to my right or I look to my left, and I see the snowman, and I know we got a chance, you know. <laughs> regardless, of, regardless of who we're playing, I know if he's on the field, we we got a chance to to win one for the Dragons. That's right. That's oh, right. I, love I like it. to hear that. So, yeah. Coach Reiser, before I get into this, I forgot to double check with the snowman. Do you uh, you do you call the plays? I do. Okay. So you've always, you know, I was looking at your, um, you know, write up on, on the Tiffin page and you know, you've always been an offensive guy going back to college. You were, you know, very, very good and accomplished quarterback, many honors, records, all that kind of stuff. NAI player of the year at Ohio Dominican. And then, you know, in your coaching career working out, you know, you've worked with receivers, O-line, tight ends, and then even at your alma mater at uh, ODU, the, uh, the offensive coordinator where you had very good offenses and the Tiffin offense was very good this year. And it's, and it's spoken about a lot, especially at the professional level about, you know, a guy who is an offensive coordinator has a lot of success, becomes a head coach and very rarely can someone balance the both of those, be the head coach, be in charge of the entire team, new dynamics, you know, come in, come into your professional life. And then you're still going to try and call the plays. That's a very full plate. And only, you know, so many coaches, you know, have been able to do that successfully, especially for the long term. Uh, you know, what what kind of transition has it been for you? Obviously, you know, you are probably not going to have to worry about you offensively. We know that you can do that. But then you add the other dynamics of being a head coach on top of that, which is already, you know, more than a regular full time job. You know, it's your it's your life. Yeah, um, I think one, you know, I, I'm very fortunate that I have a terrific staff. And so a lot of the a lot of the holes that I have, uh, those guys are able to fill them, you know. And so uh, certainly, you know, with our offense, I think uh, Coach John is now our offensive line coach and offense coordinator. Um, he does a tremendous job of really kind of kind of setting the game plan week in and week out um, and really does a lot of the kind of behind-the-scenes stuff to allow us to be ready. Um, and so ultimately, you know, I end up calling the plays on Saturday, but it's a 1,000% a collaborative effort led by him that, um, we all kind of get in there and get our heads together. And so what that does, you know, me knowing that the details and that the, the ins and outs are going to be handled, it allows me to be a little bit more big picture oriented, both on offense and, and with, within our program, uh, which I think is really important. So part of, of me and, and, and two is I think the challenge is it's not so much it's um, managing the offensive load. It's making sure that you have enough time for the other parts of, of the team. And so, you know, me being the offensive play caller, I'm always really sensitive that I need to be around our defense as much as humanly possible. Um, I need to be involved in all of our special teams. We call them special forces because that gives me the opportunity to have solid interactions with our other players outside of our quarterback room and our offense. So, um, but to truly answer your point, it, it definitely is a challenge, um, but it's one that I, I couldn't imagine not doing. You know, I always looked at it, uh, the, my head coach in, in college called his own plays. And I remember he and I were talking about it one of these days. I, I've always wanted to be a head coach and didn't know when it would happen, but I felt like at some point in my career it would. And I remember he and I having a conversation about it and, you know, me saying, I don't know if I would do that or if I'd be able to do that. And he said, well, what are you talking about? And he said, they're going to hire you because you called really good plays and you had really dynamic offenses. And now you're going to be the head coach and you're going to take one of your strengths. Is that the right move? And so I've always thought about that. that that's a big reason why I was able to earn this opportunity at Tiffin. And so didn't want to um, give that strength up, you know, wanted to, to allow it to be something that I think can be an asset for our program. And, and I, I think hopefully that it has been. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so coming over, like we mentioned now a few times, you know, your first year being at Tiffin. Now, you know, I don't know anything about this because I'm not, you know, fo following it as, you know, really outside of Tiffin. I follow everything through, through the snowman, follow the scores and updates. And he always, you know, gives me the lowdown on everything. We usually have our post-game call. Um, but you guys beat Finley for the first time and, and forever this year. And not only did that, but, you know, we're able to go undefeated in the conference, win the conference. Um, you know, did you know anything about that rivalry, you know, getting, getting over that hump? And, you know, could, could you really feel it? You know, do you feel like, you know, you'd been at Tiffin and, you know, but, but did, I feel like when you beat Finley, do you really feel like, you know, all of a sudden I've kind of, you know, my feet are really wet here. Like I've been doing this, we've been successful, but you really, you know, just feel at home at Tiffin, especially when you get a big win like that. You know, what did that feel like? And obviously, you know, you guys played more games than, uh, you know, just, just the regular season. But, you know, that's, you know, for the regular season, it doesn't get much bigger of an accomplishment to knock off a rival, especially when you haven't been able to knock them off in a long time. Yeah, no, um, when I was interviewing for the job, I, I had researched and, and uh, you know, I had found that out and knew that that would be a of, uh, of my first year. And, um, and I think that in terms of, you know, obviously it was really cool. We hadn't, hadn't beat him in, I think it was 26 years, something like that. And, um, and it was an amazing accomplishment. It was, it was cool to see how impactful it was for our alums, you know, and, and because it hadn't been for such a long time. And I think, um, you know, we had, uh, we had kind of fallen under that, that thing, like, I don't know if it's ever going to happen, you know? And, and so when it did happen, it was really cool to see the faces of guys that have been around for a long time. And I've been really waiting for that to happen over the course of the last quarter of a century. And, um, and so it was cool for it to happen that way for those guys. And then obviously for our players, it was, it was uh, an awesome day. It's a day that I won't forget. You win the conference and you beat a rival that not a lot of people at your school have been able to do. Um, so it made it really, it made it a really fun day. Um, the reality though, is like, I just always expected that to happen. You know, um, that was always kind of my expectation. I, I, I didn't, um, I don't see that as, like a big upset or, right. or man, I can't believe that that happened. Um, I just kind of expect that to be the norm, you know? And so uh, while it was fun for us to get over that hump and for it to be a big moment for our university, you know, I think, I think it's what's supposed to happen. I think um, we've got to make sure that that continues to be in play. And then in terms of, uh, you know, being comfortable and that stuff, um, I really never feel comfortable anywhere I am, you know, and, and, what I mean by that is like, I love being at Tiffin. I love where I work and wouldn't trade it for anything, but I just always feel like there's a way to get better, you know, and I always feel like there's a way to do it better. And I think as, as coaches and as people, we always fight the idea of like, you do it because it's the way you've always done it. And every off season I go back like, all right, what are we doing that's silly because we've done it for a long time? How do we change it? How do we improve? And so, I've kind of always had like that itch in the off season to like, man, this is not, we're not doing that right. We got to get better. And so that's always kind of driven me. And that's, I think as much as I feel comfortable in my position, um, I never feel content. If that mm -hmm. makes sense, I'm always sure. ready to keep pushing. Absolutely. And I was just thinking about this. I want to ask you this too. You know, we mentioned, you know, your, the, the, the awards that you took home and some of the big numbers that you put up when you were a quarterback in college now I imagine there were several games over your over your four year career where you felt like you were in the zone and you were just seeing everything so 
easily and so clearly and the game was in slow motion. Um, talk about what it's like to be in the zone for that. And then do you ever, now that, you know, now that you've, uh, you're calling plays, do you ever get in the zone calling plays where you really just feel like you have their defense figured out? And if they don't make any adjustments, you're going to be able to, you know, run your out, out the gate 68, you know, for all out 60 Hit your head on the goalpost. And hit your head on the goalpost. Right. Um, no, I, you know, as a player, I think you really, truly like, you know, you know, for me, it was always in warm-ups. Mm-hmm. You know, it was always like the first 15, 20 balls that I threw, I would know if it was going to be a big day or if it was going to be a day that I was going to have to, that I was going to have to kind of, to kind of grind through. Um, do you guys see our, uh, okay, we're good. Um, yeah, we're good. But to me, it was always uh, the one thing you could tell, and it's kind of weird, but the ball always stuck to my hand a little bit cleaner, you know? So there's usually like something in the air is a little bit more humid. And so you, I could just tell that we were going to go light somebody up, you know. And um, and then as a as a coach, I do think you get in, you get into a, the rhythm, you know. You get into a kind of a zone where you maybe have a beat on what the other team's doing, and you have a really good feel. Um, and and ultimately, <laughs> that usually happens when you have good players, you know. And so I'm pretty fortunate that we've got really good players, and so it's easier for me to get in the zone as a coach because. I know that a lot of times I can call whatever the heck I want to call and they're going to make me look good. So ultimately that's over the course of my career. I've been fortunate to have good players like the snowman where, you know, whatever you call, he's going to go out he's going to, he's going to find a way to get it done. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if we, um, you know, if everything goes to plan, um, you know, what's kind of, what's kind of the plan, you know, if there's no spring practice, you know, football, if they're still going to try to, started it on time if we're even going to play you know are you already kind of you know disaster planning here for you know a shortened camp you know a shortened amount of time with these guys are you thinking you know how can we get enough to them but where it's not too much so we're still having quality practices quality reps and we understand what we have so far and then you know everyone's in the same situation so as the weeks go on we can throw more at them but not trying to throw too much at once to where you know you're just kind of mediocre kind of average at everything, but rather, you know, maybe have a little bit less, but be really sharp at everything that you have. Yeah, I think it's a really good point, Joe. I think, um, you know, one, in terms of disaster planning and all those things, you know, I, my my thought, my plan is that, you know, we're going to come to camp when we always do, and and we're going to we're gonna open up against Davenport on September 3rd, and, you know, we're going to have our season. I, I just, I think to prepare for anything other than that, um, you know, I, I just, I, I'm a big believer in, in that's what I think will happen and, and that's what we're going to do. And then if it doesn't go that way, then we'll plan and we'll have ideas and, and we'll make it work. Um, to your point, you know, sometimes that, um, that beauty is in simplicity, right? And so the ability to uh, simplify what you do and, and to allow your players to play fast and players to, be, to play fast and be confident, I think ultimately is the number one thing that you can do as a coach. And so, if you think about it, right, you miss spring balls, that's 15 practices off the bottom line. And so I believe that the staffs that are able to, to one, be great teachers of, of their scheme mm-hmm. and simplify that scheme and then not believe that it's them that win games, it's the players. Those are the programs that are going to have the success. And so for me, I've always believed in, look, we're going to keep it simple. We're going to find a way to get the ball to our best players on offense. We're going to find a way to run the ball physically. And then on defense, we're going to run fast to the football and, and go four to six A to B and be relentless. And so if you do that, it doesn't matter whether you're running the triple option, the, the veer, the air raid, 
a three, four, a five, two, a four, four, who cares? And people are good players and they believe in what you do and you keep it simple, you'll win games. And so I think it's a really young, a really wise point by you where it's not about what you do, man. It's who you have to do it and how much they believe in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know the snowman mentioned, I think he even made an appearance on it once. You have your your radio show, the radio, the football radio show back in Tiffin. I don't know if that's an off-season thing or if it's been kind of shut down because of all this coronavirus thing, but I would love to give you the floor right now to say something nice about coming on the podcast and getting the reps so that once you step back onto the radio show floor under the bright lights, you're sharp and ready to go. There's no doubt. No, I've been nervous. This I haven't, haven't been able to get reps, uh, yeah. you know, being interviewed. So this is a big day and, and uh, I had a good lunch this afternoon and told my wife about it. So we, you know, we really got ourselves mentally ready to come on this pod. And AJ has told me, uh, has told me all about it and talked you up big time. And yeah. I, I got to tell you, Joe, you, you, you over, you, you over exceeded my expectations. I'm very impressed with, um, we, we talked about this. We, we talked about this before. I said, I've been nagging him to come on, you know, yep. for the better part of a year now. And, you know, I'm pretty sure he thinks that we're like sitting in, a basement with no lights and you know we're just, just like you are in a basement snowman. I am yeah, in a basement yeah I mean, you know, <laughs> or you know well normally I'd be in our top tier recording studio right. but you know I understand I yeah. understand no I, I tell you what I, I always believe in the snowman so if he tells me go. that it's good then that means that it's good. But no, you guys are doing a great job, man. It's a really cool thing you got going. So Thank how you. long have you been doing this, Joey? So I've been, now this show in particular, I have been doing this. I started in, it in August. Um, but the first time I ever made a podcast was after my freshman year of college. So it would have been like May 2017. And then I had another one. And then that, you know, that was just kind of sporadic. I really didn't know what I was doing. And then I did it a little bit again my sophomore year. So like 2017 into 18, did it a little bit. But ever since I started this show in August, um, I, I have just had more of a grasp on it and had better resources. So, you know, the main thing for me was, you know, coming up with what a show I wanted to do. Just like when you're building a program, you know, I wanted to come up with an identity for the show. And I'm like, yeah. well, I love listening to long form interviews, whether it's like Pardon My Take or Ryan Rosillo or Bill Simmons. Um, and, you know, I finally came up with a format that I wanted to do these long form interviews. And once I got that and I, you know, just had a better grasp on the uh, technology, you know, I had better editing software. It's nothing crazy, but it, you know, definitely does the job. Um, so I would say, you know, when people ask me when I started podcasting, I, I mainly say like August 2019, because that's when I started doing it seriously. And then, you know, consistency is is the biggest thing. So we've been going since August 2019 and haven't missed our uh Monday upload date, which is something I'm, I'm proud to say that we uh, keep this pumping out. It's awesome. You guys have some really cool guests on too. So keep up the, uh, not, not including myself, but <laughs> keep up, uh, keep up the great work. And it's, it's been fun to be a part of it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much coach for your time. Uh, you know, hope everyone, your players, family, everything, you know, feeling good, healthy through all these crazy times and, you know, go Gons best of luck this coming year. Go Gons, go Snowman, long live. Awesome. Thanks, Coach. <laughs> See you, boys. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed that interview. Thanks to producer Snowman. And, of course, most importantly, thank you to our special guest, head coach for the Tiffin Dragons, Chris Reisert. So go ahead, enjoy this nice smooth jazz, and I will talk to you on Monday. <laughs> Thank you.
Mm-hmm. <laughs>